Well, hello again. This is David Meredith, the Mission Director of the Free Church of Scotland, and welcome to our latest Generation podcast. And today I've got a special treat uh, as my guest, as our guest today. I've got one of my oldest friends. So if you speak and reveal who one of my oldest friends is. One of your only friends. Uh, David Robertson is my Uh, name. (laughs) Ah, so you all know David Robertson, alias the Wee Flea. Uh, It's great to have you on board today, David. And now, as most of the listeners will know, that there are going to be one or two changes in David's life. Can you tell us what they'll be, David? Uh, Yeah, as in 14 days' time, I should be in Sydney, Australia, working for an organisation called City Bible Forum. So after 27 years in St. Peter's and 33 years as a free church minister, uh, I will be leaving these shores for a couple of years. Okay, now the listeners will be very interested. Will you still retain your status as a free church minister? Yeah, unless you kick me out. (laughs) Oh, there's there's absolutely no chance of that. So you'll still be a man under authority? I will. I will be a free church minister and I will be your ambassador on the other side of the world. Well, I cannot think of anyone more diplomatic to be our ambassador than David A. (laughs) Robertson. David, again, it's great to have you. You're going to Australia, you're going to work with Sydney, and the broader organisation is called the City Bible Forum, and you're going to be working or or creating, what's it called and what's it going to be doing? I'm going to be creating something called Third Space. So if you imagine that the first space is the church and the second space is the culture... Um, what City Bible Forum do, and they're very good at doing, is in central business districts of the big cities in Australia, they're very good at doing outreach with lawyers and business people and so on. But they, my view is, or was, and I said this to them, that they need to be more connected to churches and they need to use the resources that they've got to reach more people. So uh, they've asked me to come out and direct something called Third Space, which is looking at the ways that the church can interact with the culture and get people in to hear the gospel. So um, that's the basic idea of it. It's a very basic idea. Uh, They don't know what they're getting and I don't know what I'm doing. But (laughs) but I'm basically going to go and try. I've done a fair bit of it already in Australia and I absolutely loved the opportunities for outreach there. And the the churches seem very keen. Great. Okay. Now, if I may be slightly mischievous, a couple of weeks ago, some of us heard you chatting to a group of ministers and you seem to be advocating a bias for the poor Mm -hmm. and the need to reach out to poor folk. And, you know, here you are starting a ministry essentially amongst the urban elite, business people, lawyers, medics and bankers in the city. How on earth can you uh, take these two insights together? Well, f- well, first of all, I would say that, you know, it doesn't stop you working amongst the elite. However, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, I'm The reason they want me to come out is precisely because they do work amongst the elite, and I'd suggested they need to use their resources to work amongst others. So okay. ref- re- refugees, basically to take City Bible Forum out of the central business districts and to get them to work with whatever churches. But, I mean, I hope that we will work with... For example, when uh, I was in Sydney last year, uh, my wife Annabelle got involved with refugees. Uh, there's 
a significant amount of work I think we'll end up doing on media, which is what I quite enjoy. And also uh, we'll do some stuff in schools and so on. So it won't be going... Yeah, the, the point of me being there is to take it out of that central business district type mentality. Okay. Again, I've heard you arguing against what's often known as this sort of trickle-down view of mission that you head for the elite and it trickles down. You know, it's, it's a view yeah. I personally re reject. Um, some would say that that's what you're going to be doing in Sydney. Is that correct? Oh, no. Uh, me reaching the elites is not really going to work. <laughs> <laughs> the elites it's, love you. <laughs> no, no, I kind of put people off in that regard. No, I mean, my my <laughs> my aim and purpose is to get churches d doing outreach and evangelism. And um, I think you'll... I mean, if City Bible Forum wanted me just to go on, I mean, I will do. I'll do the lawyers' dinners and the bankers' breakfasts. And mm -hmm. I mean, I will do that sort of thing. But um, if I was going just to do that, I wouldn't go. You know, I'd, it's, there's okay. much, much more that needs to be done. I mean, my, my big thing is that it is the local church that should reach out. Now, if you, yeah, happen to be, if you happen to be in an area, you know, if you happen to be in Morningside, then that's the people you reach Morningside in Edinburgh. And if, if you are in Charleston in Dundee, that's the people you reach there. So you reach the people in your local area. Uh, my concern a little bit is was and is that people think, oh, well, if we reach the people in the, you know, the more elite areas, then that will trickle out to everyone else. And my argument is, no, it doesn't. What we need to do is make it happen. So you reach these people because, amongst other things, they've got funding and resources. And my argument was use this funding and resources to reach others. And they, and usually when I have an argument or an idea, they agreed and said, okay, we'll back you. Come and do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've often spoken in the past about parachurch organizations. And um, I know that you are a big believer in church and the power of the local church. Again, is there a conflict between basically starting up a parachurch organization and the mission of the local church? Uh, there could be, um, but again, it's it's interesting because basically City Bible Forum are wanting to change the way they do things, and mm -hmm. they the best parachurch organisations are ones that seek to serve the church. As you well know, what often happens is they end up wanting the church to serve them, um, and I, you know, right, okay. I, I I am not very keen on that at all. But my aim, as I said, is to get local churches involved in evangelism. So when I was out last time, um, there was a variety of different, like the, the Chinese Presbyterians or um, St. Thomas's Anglican, which is pretty well upper middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, you know, numerous other groups. So my idea was to encourage local church-based evangelism and to use the resources and the know-how that City Bible Forum have for that. Um and we'll see. We'll see how it works. I mean, I'm going to be working with a guy who's done a church plant in a suburb of uh, Perth in Western Australia and uh, with some folks up in Brisbane and in Melbourne as well. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, who knows? I mean, it, I certainly it's not going to be uh, the, the emphasis will have to be on the local church because, you know, I can't do it. And neither neither can any organization 
it has to be the local church. I'd rather have yeah. a thousand local churches doing this than one mega evangelist, which I'm not, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and another intriguing thing is that many folk are leaving the UK, leaving to Scotland, and they're heading over the pond to the USA. You're taking a slightly alternative route. You're going to Australia. You're going south on an Antipodean adventure. Now, again, some folk would say, David, you you, you must be mad. You're you're leaving. You know the influential north, the influential west, and you're going out to the you know the Pacific Rim. Why are you doing that? Can you give us a sense <laughs> of where you see Australia is in sure. the next ten, twenty years? Sure. Um, I think, especially in Britain, we have this idea of Australia as being kind of this, you know, colony of criminals with about five million people. You know, with a couple of nice cities and a decent cricket team. Um, Does that know why they're letting you in? Uh, well, yeah, I think that's probably why they would keep me out. But um, what people need to realise, I think insofar as we can see, the future of the church in the 21st century is likely to be, I think, China and Africa, uh, East Asia. Now, that Pacific Rim, that's half the world's population. And Australia is at the southern end of it. And one of the things you notice in, in cities like Sydney and Brisbane and Melbourne especially, they are very Asian, becoming more Asian. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, I had a choice. I wanted, uh, my, I wanted personally, I, I would have loved to have stayed doing what I'm doing and being able to do other stuff as well, but that was impossible. So I, I did feel very strongly called to do what I would call this kind of wider evangelism just now. And my choice was very simple. I, I sat down with Os Guinness and we talked it through one time and he said, you can go to the States and basically cover the States. That's all that covers, you know, well, North America. You, you can go, you stay in um, the UK and you cover Europe or you go to Australia and you cover uh, East Asia, which is Malaysia, Indonesia, yeah. China and so on. I mean, Perth, Aus Perth in Australia its nearest city is Jakarta in Indonesia. Sure. You know, yeah. so I, I, that's I, the idea. Yeah, I, I don't think folk realise as well that the axis of the global church is also moving south. So yeah. you've got, you know, the powerhouse of Africa, you've got a greater church-going population in China now than you have yeah. in Scotland. You know, the the Chinese tiger is, is coming awake. And even in terms of Christian thinkers, I mean, I'm, I'm reading just now... Uh, Evangelism in a Skeptical World by your, your future colleague, Sam Chan. Yeah. And I really think it's one of the most influential books written in, in the last you know few years on how to reach postmodern society with the gospel. So you're certainly, you know, with folk like, like Sam, you're certainly not going to a backwater in terms of thought and engagement. But I think you're going right to the heart of, you know, contemporary society. Well, yeah. And also, I, I mean, I do think that there is a case for that. The other thing is Australia is not America and it's not the UK. It's not, you know, it's it's now going its own path. And I do think that's much more um, Asian, but with still hugely British significance anyway. Yeah. But, but church wise, I mean... In that sense, it is a different world. I mean, you and I have both been to Mississippi, you know, and the buckle on the Bible belt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but and we we look at Australia and the stuff we get from Australia, from ABC and so on, in this country, we think, oh, it's not a very religious place. But 
double the number of people go to church in Australia than do in Scotland. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. They still mm-hmm. have things like scripture in schools. Um, there's there, there are churches. I mean, I I was I went to a church and you know they they described themselves as a small church and there was 300 people in it. You know, yeah, they they yeah. Which would be a, that'd be a big church in Scotland. Well, in the, yeah, in the free church or in most other churches, we'd consider it a mega church. Sure. You know. So mm-hmm, it, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a different world. I'm not saying it's a better world, but um, I mean one of the reasons they wanted me to go was because they are ten years behind us in terms of secularization, and you know they know that that's the kind of evangelism I do. And and to be honest, I think you know they've been struggling a little bit with that. You know how do we cope in an, an increasingly non-Christian society? When they had John yeah. Chapman and Billy Graham and so on, it was much more a Christian yeah. society. Yeah. I mean, each society has its culture, and one of the stereotypes of Aussies is that they are, you know, straight-talking. They are pretty blunt people. Now, <coughs> again, <laughs> well, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, 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 with the greatest respect, you know, you, you're a straight-talking guy. And sometimes the sort of UK sensibilities... Um, just don't like your approach. You know, folks say, oh, Rob, he's, he's very aggressive. Do you think that, first of all, do you agree with that? And secondly, do you think that your style, if I can call it that, will go down better in an Australian context than it maybe does in the UK context? Well, let me leave the UK context out for a wee minute and just say it'll certainly go down a whole lot better than the southern US context. (laughs) (laughs) Where Um, everyone's nice. Where everyone's really, really nice, you know, and uh, yeah, everyone keeps reading between the lines and so on. And I just don't do lines or I don't do in between. You 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 don't have lines now. No. So, I mean, I remember our friend Ligon Duncan saying to me one time, Dave, you've got to understand, you've got to understand, we don't mean it. We don't mean it. You know, so that guy, he said, tell me your whole heart. And you did. He's, he said he's still in therapy, you know. <laughs> Don't, yeah. So I, I, I remember you being for dinner in someone's house and clearly they'd run out of food. And yeah. they, they asked you very politely if you would like seconds. Everybody yeah. <laughs> in the room knew there was no more food. And you said, yes, I'll yeah, have I some seconds. <laughs> Which kind of illustrates your, your outlook. You, you take people as you find them. Well, I do. But are, are, you, are, are you looking forward to the more kind of blunt Australian approach? Well, no, they are very direct. Now, they also have the this thing called tall poppy syndrome. So I think, yeah. I think you know, you have to be really wary of the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence because when I was there in my sabbatical, you know, everyone loved me, which is an, an unusual mm. experience in my life. And, uh, but I realised yeah. I was the new kid on the block. I was no threat to anyone. You know, I'm, I'm going away. This is going to be different. I'm going out. I'll be working there, uh, living there for a while anyway. But I, but I do like culturally, I like the directness and I like the openness. I think there are a lot of places in the UK where that still works. I think there are other places where it doesn't work. And I think in the UK, you have to batter away at that. Um, ironically, I think it works better in the secular culture than it does in the Christian culture in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but in, I think in Australia, it works in both yeah, because, I mean, after many years, you've probably been doing the public square stuff 
for certainly 20 years now. Again, the irony is that in the last few weeks, you seem to begin increasing traction on the media. And yeah. increasingly on mainstream media, especially the BBC. Um, yeah. Do you feel a sense of, of regret that now that that's got a, a degree of traction, you're now exiting the scene? Uh, yes and no. I think I've been building on that for a long, long time. But I think it's key for us to understand how the world is. You know, it's changed. The days mm -hmm. of, you know, if you'd gone to Australia before, you know, you're taking a slow boat to China, you're, you know, you are, you're, you're away for maybe five years, come back for one year or six months or whatever, if you were a missionary like that. Uh, now I can be in Sydney from Glasgow in 22 hours. You know, it's and also, of course, there's the Internet and there's the, so virtually all of the media stuff that I've been doing at the moment has been done um, from a studio in Dundee or from my own home. The same thing can happen right. in Australia. <laughs> so I think my engagement with the secular media here will continue. Um, what I'll miss, what I won't have is is the direct face to face stuff with journalists that I have been doing. I mean, I've got two more this week. Um, but I'll, I'll build that up in Australia as well. Already I've been asked to be involved in different things. And I mean, I've even written for the Australian Spectator, which I've never managed to write for yeah, the UK so, one. Yeah, so you're also becoming a bit of a Tory in your old age, which is not a bad move. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely not. I'm totally radical. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't speak about politics, Dave. I don't disclose my own personal <laughs> politics. Absolutely, absolutely. Re religion and politics are both taboo subjects for you. Yeah, I yeah. am a. So I, the, sorry, Carrie, I was just. No, I was just going to say, I'm a. Um, I am a conservative, socialist, liberal, nationalist. You, you name it. I'm green. I'm, you know, I'm probably all of them in on some issues. I am no longer party okay. political. Okay. The big news this week, of course, is that your visa has come through. You are yeah. now legal. You are now good to go. Yeah. Can you give us a time frame? Uh, are you emigrating forever? What's the story no, in that no. one? The visa lasts from the 1st of July 2019 to the 1st of July 2021. So okay. um, it's... I, because of my previous experience in terms of ill health and so on and almost dying, I am very reluctant to say what's mm -hmm. happening next week, never mind in two years' time. And I also think that it's, um, what, what will I call it? It's um, uh, James's word, you know, who are you to say you're going to do this and you're going to do that? Sure. I, mean, I mean, I'm so paranoid about yeah. that or biblical that I, I, I find myself, it's not until I'm on the plane to Australia that I'll actually think we're really going. But as for coming back, mm -hmm. the, the the intention and the trajectory is to come back. But yeah. well, one, just, just I may not get, be alive, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just don't give British Airways your passport. You'll remember no. that lesson. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't go British Airways either. We, we love going Emirates because they're, yeah, yeah. No, we'll do that. If I can go back and, you know, touch on that point, uh, again, I think a lot of the listeners may or may not know that, you know, a few years ago, you, you almost died. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wrote you, I was beginning to write your eulogy, it, it was, and it was a really good one, I, I have to say. Yeah. You, you're almost there. Um, you were within a whisker of death. Would, would yeah. you agree with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know it at the time because I was in a coma, but yes, that's true. Uh, my surgeon to this day does not understand how I'm still alive. Yep. Can I ask you, to what extent has that changed your life? It seems to me, and I'm one of your oldest, closest friends, it seems to me that that was a life-changing experience. You became bolder, uh, you took on just this attitude of focus, and really the extraneous things of this world did seem to be peripheral. Was that a changing uh, event for you? Yeah, totally. Um, the, the way I describe it is this. Once you go through that and you come out of hospital, the things you appreciate are things like clean water and, and mm -hmm. you know, friends and family and so on. And a lot of the things that wind you up before or you're concerned about, they're not that important. And for me, in terms of the gospel, it was very simple. I believe that uh, I'm called by God to proclaim his word and I have to do so until the day that I die. And I don't know when that's going to be. But um, for me, it, it's put a very strong focus uh, in that. So, you know, it's, and also I think it was funny, my surgeon who's a Muslim said something to me that was really quite profound. He said, you're a very blessed man because you deal with the most important issues that people have to deal with and you've been there. And I do think that has made a difference in terms of how I deal with people. You know. Now, a lot of your engagement with the folk is, by its very nature, confrontational. Uh, you're always in debate. You're always in a situation which is adversarial. Is, is that? Do you enjoy that? No, um, and it's the, the, the reputation is a bit worse than the reality. Um, most of what I do isn't confrontational. Although I do think actually most people could do with a little bit more confrontation. My mm. aim always when I discuss things is I'll be confrontational often about things that aren't that important. And I'm, I'm, it, it's like on the internet, people have clickbait. So how you advertise this podcast, you want to get people to listen to it. You know, uh, I don't do clickbait, but what I do is I, I try and provoke people to start thinking. And then I want to go into the deeper issues. So, you know, yeah, the, sometimes you stand up and you say something and you know a hornet's nest is going to be stirred. So um, I did something recently, you know, the issue at the moment is transgender and I've done a fair bit on that. And every time I write on it, I know I'm going to get yeah. just pelters. But but that's fine. You live with that as long as you don't react to it. You know. Yeah, there, there's this thing going around just now, you know, the YouTube clip of that teacher who yeah. was telling the pupil that he had to leave his class because, you know, he was duty-bound to enforce the, the party line. Yeah. This all sounds very Orwellian. Uh, do you think it is? Yes, oh, I think it's totally Orwellian. I think the number of people who've contacted me, intelligent people, so I'm because I'm high-profile, lots of people contact me, so doctors, teachers... Um, you know, other medical staff, politicians saying, I totally agree with you, keep speaking, but I can't say it. And that's actually quite disturbing. Um, I think my favourite was, I wrote as a joke, you know, being confrontational, but I, I wrote as a joke, we soon won't be able to use the term breastfeeding about the transgender issue. Yeah. And immediately, within half an hour, a consultant got in touch with me anonymously. He said, you know, I couldn't use his name yeah. and, and I won't. But he said, you... I know you meant this as a joke, but he said, I'm sitting here with a letter from the, the 
I think it was the British Medical Association, instructing me to tell my staff not to use the term breastfeeding because there are two transgender men who uh, have artificial chests. So now on, we have to say it's chest feeding. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah. And it's just Abs- incredible. Oh, well, you, yeah, you, you're the classic little boy who said that the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's fairly obvious. <clears throat> now, um, when you, you were minister of St. Peter's for, was it 27 years? 27. Officially, I still 20... am until another, for another 12 days, uh, but yeah. Okay, so officially you are until the end of the month. Yeah. I, I remember, and many of the folks will remember when you went to that church, it was single figures, it was toxic at multiple levels. You left it, or you are about to leave it, in a very healthy condition. Um, does that bring you a degree of satisfaction and thankfulness? Well, yes and no. Um, it's not as healthy as sometimes it may appear because it's full. Uh, but having said that, and sometimes you'll know this, sometimes you look and you think, yeah. personally, I think of all the things I, I could have done that I didn't. Uh, you know, if, if any of the listeners have seen Schindler's List at the end, when Schindler's saying goodbye to the people he's rescued, he starts thinking about, oh, I could have done more. I could have got more out. I could have. And I've gone through that for the past couple of weeks thinking, I got this wrong, I got this wrong, I could have done better, I could have done better. Mm-hmm. And that's true. But then on Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago, which was my last Sunday, when I looked out and I saw a full church and I saw all the children and the letters and stuff that we got, and then the church plant in Charleston especially, when I, I felt the congregation really owned it in that sense, I thought, no, this is a good thing to leave. This is a good thing for someone yeah. else to come in. It's just been a good thing to be part of. If you want, I could list all the faults and all the things that are wrong. And if people want to start telling me what's wrong with me, I'll I'll just turn around to them and say, "Yeah, you're right," and you don't know the half of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, you, but still, it's a good thing. Yep. You you and I both entered ministry around about the same time, the early '80s, and you know this is a generation podcast. We generation is part of the mission board of the Free Church of Scotland. The denomination I think is unrecognisable <clears throat> to what it was in the early '80s. Um, I, as you leave, I mean, we've spoken about reality. We've spoken about things that discourage you. <clears throat> Can you just focus? What, what, as you look back in a long, fruitful ministry, your son Andrew uh, is now a free church minister, one of our best preachers, potential for the future. What can you identify as the really positive things in the Free Church of Scotland and in Scotland? So the positive things that give you a degree of optimism and hope for the future and things that we've got to build on. Well, the positive things are the church plants, um, both in, you know, like Chris Davidson up in Inverness, but also, you know, Neil McMillan in Morningside and elsewhere. And of course, you mentioned my own son as well. So those are positive things. Um, The positive things are the youth conference, uh, the dynamics of uh, that we have a significant number of churches that are growing. Those are positive things for the free church. Um, In Scotland as a whole, I think the situation is pretty dire, but the growth of FIEC, uh, places like Charlotte Chapel, I was at a men's conference in Glasgow, which is kind of a mix of, you know, charismatic and all different kinds, but there was a re- the real hunger for the word there. Um, some of the ex-brethren churches up in the Aberdeen area, they're very encouraging. You know, and I, I think that the Lord will... Um, 
you know, he will build his church. I don't think he's finished with Scotland yet. I really, I mean, I really hope not. I do think, however, with the Free Church, that there's an enormous danger that having survived the awful 90s is what I would call it, um, we we might be a little bit complacent and think, well, because we're either static or growing a bit, then that's fine. And I'm thinking, yeah. no, you know, we have to, we, we, we need to dream and aim much bigger than we do. Got to keep going and still dream the big dreams. So yeah. we're drawing to a, a close here, but I guess that with the powers of the internet, international communication being so uh, easy these days in comparison to what it was, Am I guessing correctly that you will still be commenting on issues in Scotland? Oh, totally. I've got my subscriptions to the Courier and the Scotsman, and uh, I have a whole bunch of people who keep sending me information. I have a lot of political and journalistic contacts. Um, I, I mean, it's bizarre because right now with the, the blog and the podcast, I have a lot of listeners and, and readers in Australia and then when I'll be in Australia, I think it'll be the other way around here. So, I mean, for some people, they might not even notice. I mean, there, there are people who are saying, oh, we'll really miss you, who I've never met, you know. <laughs> and and that, that's the way of the world. I mean, no, I'm not. Uh, in, in that sense, my heart still lies in Scotland. Great. Well, David, it's been great talking to you and I know that we'll talk again and we just want you to know that certainly you'll be you'll be missed physically here in the Free Church. We're excited about you coming back and joining us again in a few years' time. <clears throat> we wish you every blessing in Australia and as they say in Scotland, haste ye back. Great talking to you, Dave. No, and talking to you as well. <laughs>